and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. Happy 2021. We are in a new year. I hope you are feeling alive and grateful for this new year. I know I am, um, and I'm super excited to have our first guest of the new year on the podcast, Lindsay Kinder. I'm so excited for you all to hear this episode. There are so many beautiful pieces of advice that Lindsay gives. Lindsay's story is amazing. I'm going to give you her bio so you get an idea of who she is and what she does. And then I have a very, very exciting announcement that we can all partake in um, after. So stay tuned. But I'll tell you that Lindsay quit a five-year career selling corporate life insurance to pursue her dream of learning to cook in France. After backpacking solo for six months, working with local farmers, exchanging labor for room and board, and receiving a cuisine certificate from Le Cordon Bleu Paris, she arrived in San Francisco. She is the founder of Food La La and curates unique creativity-inducing food and cocktail experiences. She's hosted many of the West Coast's beloved companies and brands, including Louis Vuitton, The Fairmont, Williams-Sonoma, Pinterest, Bloomingdale's, Saks, Salesforce, Alaska Airlines, Google, Airbnb, and Facebook. Lindsay believes deeply in the healing power of creativity and leverages food as the perfect blank canvas. She's classically trained in French cuisine and relishes teaching others how to make fun, beautiful, delicious, and feel good food. She loves fancy, but not fussy, and can't wait to share her secrets. And share her secrets she does, because this episode, as I was listening back to it, really inspired me, because we talk about this idea of following and listening to your own advice. And she is someone who has totally built her life by design and built her life by following her intuition and building this amazingly successful business where she's worked with some of, I mean, you've heard it, some of the best corporate brands in our country, possibly the world. And now during COVID has been expanding her offerings and now has a cooking membership that people from anywhere in the world can sign up and take classes to make food and cooking be a fun, creative experience. I think I connect with Lindsay so much because, you know, food is just the vehicle of of creativity, but it's all about creativity. And I think that's such a cool way to bring to people. And so very exciting. She is offering our listeners one month free to the Food La La Cooking Club. And if you use the code creative soul at checkout, you can get one month free to the Food La La Cooking Club. So after you listen to this episode, go ahead and sign up for that free membership and, you know, engage in your creativity while cooking and eating. I mean, because who wouldn't want that? I know I will. I know I definitely will. So I'm going to put that link in the show notes, and we also talk about it in the episode towards the end. But I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you're someone who loves food, if you're someone who loves traveling, if you're someone who is looking to start a business or kind of just create life your own way, I know we all are. So I think you'll really get a lot of value out of this episode. And I love you all so much. And here is Lindsay from Food Lala. 
So the first question that I ask everyone when they come on is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? Ooh, that's a great one. And I love stopping to think about this because so often it's go, 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 go. And I don't get to like sit in this moment of really enjoying that creative process. We right now are in the middle of figuring out how to execute a ton of holiday events. So we're putting together these like fun packages for companies that um, have hired us to do like a holiday party for their teams. Mm -hmm. And so we're like in the creative process of figuring out like what goes in all of these like DIY kits and how can we help people like make beautiful, delicious things at home. And so curating what goes in those kits is, is really fun and something I am currently up to my eyeballs in right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I bet. Will you give us a little rundown on what you do and how you got started in your business? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will try to give you the cliff notes version, but it's a, it's a lengthy story, but I'll, I'll start at the beginning because it does twist and wind quite a bit, but my story actually begins in Los Angeles and I had been selling life and disability insurance for like five years. It was my, my first grown up job out of college and I was on track to take over my boss's job. And so I was going through this like management training program and I was learning more about what she did. And so I got to kind of like lift the hood up and see like what life would look like if I got this promotion. And the more I learned about what she did, the less I was interested. I had kind of this like eat, pray, love moment where I was like, you know, maybe there is something different out there for me if I can be brave enough to put my toes in the water and, and think about what that might actually look like. And since I was young, I've had this fascination with the French. I think that everything that comes out of France is, is so beautiful, but also so simple. And whether that's like food or design or fashion or architecture, it's like this like intersection of beauty and simplicity. And I wanted to learn more about how they did that, particularly with food. And so I quit my job, like cold turkey. I, I wasn't cool enough to backpack. I had a 60 pound rolling magenta suitcase. Um, <laughs> and, and I got a one-way ticket to Paris and a six month traveler's visa. And I spent six months backpacking through France, rolling bagging excuse me, <laughs> through France solo. And, and I sought to answer two questions. And the first was, where does great food come from? Mm -hmm. And the second was, what are the French doing with it that makes it so special? And the answer to the first question is like painfully obvious. Great food comes right out of the earth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you've ever had a carrot that still has dirt on it or a tomato that's like fresh off of the vine and it's still warm, like that is something that's really, really special because it tastes exactly like what it is versus like sometimes, you know, not to pick on Trader Joe's, but like you'll buy a tomato at Trader Joe's in December and it's hard as a rock and it's like light pink instead of a bright juicy red. And, and as a chef, like you have a lot of work to do to, to make that tomato taste good. But the one like ripe off the vine in August, like in the sun, like you could serve that as dessert almost, you know? And so that led me to spend a lot of time with farmers. I worked for a vegetable farmer up in Normandy and I would work in exchange for room and board. So I was there. I worked on a foie gras farm actually, which was like very much outside my comfort zone, but took away a, a tremendous appreciation for how resourceful the French are with everything. I got to participate in the Vendange, which is the French wine harvest, so picking all the grapes, 
and bringing them in and making wine. I attended a pastry school, a teeny tiny pastry school in a little beach town in the south of France. And that is where I began my love affair with the French macaroon. And then after that, went up to Paris and received a cuisine certificate from the Cordon Bleu. And after that, I like ended up in San Francisco. And for the first time in my life, it was no job, no paycheck, no health insurance, no structure. It was really up to me to figure out and design this new life. And I began as a private chef because that was what I knew how to do coming out of, I'm doing air quotes right now, what I knew how to do. I didn't really know what I was doing, but (laughs) I could get away with it. And so I I started doing like kind of like private catering and and things like that. And, and I always served French macaroons for dessert because it was something that I knew how to do. It was impressive to other people. So if everything else went down the drain, like at least dessert would be show stopping. People loved them and they just kind of lit up when they saw them. And I realized that there are a lot of people in San Francisco trying to start a restaurant or doing the private chef thing. And, and that didn't really light me up, like cooking a lot of food for other people. But there was something about these French macaroons that just like lit me on fire. And so I decided, let's go that direction. And so I, I lopped off like the whole catering side of my business and focused only on French macaroons. And so we had to come up with a word to describe what I do because it was so niche. And it became macaroon-centric experiences for corporate events. And so I, I created these different experiences all based around French macaroons. And so I did like a, a macaroon bedazzling bar where we would take like the pieces of macaroons, so the cookie part, the buttercream, the edible crystals and sprinkle collections and edible metallic paints and watercolors and and take these into companies and host like team building events for, you know, companies like Alaska Airlines and Pinterest and Facebook and Williams-Sonoma, Bloomingdale's. And and so we would take in this kind of like, it was like an art class almost, but with French macaroons. We did savory macaroons paired with wine as like a happy hour. Wow. And that was very cool. So it was like, smoked salmon, goat cheese, citrus, and dill, like in this macaroon, and it was paired with a French rosé. We had a wasabi and candied ginger one paired with a, like a bubbling frizzante wine. So it, it was, it was very, very cool. And, and so people kind of, you know, everybody would give me like macaroon keychains and like magnets and like, you know, the whole like thing, once you tell people you like dogs or whatever, you know, it's like yeah. you get like, all the things, right? And it's so funny because I, I love macaroons, but I really am not, like for me, it's not about the macaroons. Mm-hmm. Macaroons are the vehicle that we have used. They're like the canvas that we've used to help people connect with their creativity and like and explore and play with that. And, you know, we could do that with anything, really. It's just that um, a plain old French macaroon was like the canvas that we started with. And so we basically, you know, I I say that we, we don't sell macaroons, we sell creativity and we help people get into that, to that space. And, and so that's sort of the, the food la la story pre COVID. And since COVID we, and it'll be funny to probably listen to this again in a year and see where the world is, but we, 
you know, no longer could do in-person experiences, obviously, because all these clients of ours were sending employees home. And, and so we hopped online pretty quickly and now we do macaroon classes, we do cocktail classes. And, and again, it's, you know, we always tell um, our corporate clients, like we're not booze hounds, but similar to macaroons, a cocktail is a beautiful place to teach people like cool, tangible skills and, and how to do like special garnishes and little techniques and all these things that can make having a cocktail or a mocktail an experience versus just like part of a meal, right? And so we're branching out um, into, I guess, a broader array of topics, but all with that same like common thread of what can we teach and what can we provide people to help them make beautiful, delicious, inspired things at home? And, and most important, how do we help them tap into their creativity and, and play in a space that like they probably haven't been for a little while? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love your story so much. And it's so inspiring, first of all, to hear how you kind of have this like corporate moment and then you broke off to follow your dreams and travel to Paris and study. And I'm so inspired by what you said about food is best tasted from the ground and like in its most purest natural form. I'm really inspired by that. I recently went to Hawaii and actually I found a Meyer lemon, which I never knew what a Meyer lemon was. And then I went on your website and I was like, and it says a Meyer lemon is a hybrid between a lemon and an orange. And I was like, just those simple things that connect us to nature, because I feel like we are so disconnected from our food and where our food comes from. So mm -hmm. it's so cool to then have that experience of like really getting in the dirt and, and seeing where that food comes from. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is I think so often we, we complicate it, it but mother earth really does such a beautiful job for us. And, and to answer that second question that I mentioned of, you know, where does great food come from and what are the French doing with it that makes it so special? The answer to that question is fleur de sel and French butter. Like that's it. You know, they, they will take the carrot out of the ground. They will roast it, add some butter and delicious sea salt, like, and it will be the best darn carrot you've ever eaten. And, and so you don't have to fuss with it and add all the stuff and do all the steps and, and it's going to be 10 times better than, you know, a, a carrot out of season or, or whatever. And so I think it's, it's comforting just that, that nature and, and the earth really does take care of us. And I mean, a Meyer lemon, like sometimes I look at things, I'm like, is this even real? Like, how did this come out of the earth? And who was the first person to discover this? And, and the thing that really gets me about food and like learning to cook and all this stuff is it is this it's a black hole of curiosity and opportunity for creativity because no matter how much any of us study, there's always going to be a new ingredient or you're going to discover, you know, instead of a Meyer lemon, next time you learn about a finger lime mm -hmm. or, you know, these crazy things and you're never going to know it all. And every experience you have with food can be one of creative opportunity because there's no way you can, can master that. Yeah, that's so true. Were you always interested in cooking or like, how did you discover this passion for food and cooking? Yeah. So I, I grew up in a very creative home, both my parents and in different ways. My dad is a writer and so very like creative with words. And my mom actually had a hair bow company. So I, I grew up in Seattle and, and the company was called Rainbows. 
and she, we had a bow room in our house and it wasn't actually like a room. We called it the bow room. It was like part of the laundry room and it was like this little area and there were all the glue guns and the bows and the little like plastic things, you know? So for every holiday, we had like a hair bow that had, you know, like all these like things coming out of it. But that's kind of what I grew up with. And, and so every, you know, school project, I have a vivid memory of having to build like, remember those like phone core boards at school and like oh, yeah. for the projects and stuff and like carry them in, like science kind totally. of stuff. And I remember like doing, you know, working on the project with my dad and like cutting clothespins, like cutting the, the legs off of clothespins to make these like tiny fairy people and going to the store and getting dry ice to make a fairy well that would actually like have steam, you know, coming out of it. And, and so I, you know, growing, grow, to get back to, to your question, growing up, you know, in the nineties, like my parents, like we cooked and like made things, but I think that like the food that was being served was a lot of like 90s stuff. I think about like Marie Callender's or like Stouffer's or, you know, things in the microwave and, and whatnot. And I learned a lot, you know, watching like particularly my mom cook. But I, I think for me, the thing that I really love about it is that it is, it's the connection that food makes to creativity. And that's what really, like, that's what makes me gravitate to it the most is, is that piece. And I mean, of course, you know, the way that food is different than like music or, or painting or poetry. It's like, you get to eat it. (laughs) And it's something that, you know, most people find joy in eating delicious things. So it it feels like a win-win, but really, I think more than anything, it was growing up in this um, creative world and realizing that food is a place that I can continue to explore and play with that. Yeah, I love that. And I love like what you said about making dolls as a kid. And I wonder, because my next question was going to be the fact that you work with corporate clients who maybe don't necessarily take time for creativity. And so I wonder what has, what has your experience been like with working with these people that maybe this is something new to them? And, and how has that been like watching them kind of play and, and have that moment of creativity? Yeah, that is honestly, I'm so glad you asked that because it's the, it has been the most rewarding part of what we do, you know, talking to people about macaron centric experiences and the edible crystals and pearls and all the stuff. And, and it would be very easy to pigeonhole us into either like the kids birthday parties or the bachelorette parties and bridal baby shower thing. Right. But I've never wanted to do that because I felt like Creativity is for everybody. It is not just for ladies who like pink and sparkles, right? And like, love you, I'm one of them. But it's it's for everybody. And we really want to make that accessible yeah. across the board. And so working with companies has been so fun because you get the the people. And, you know, I think traditionally, this might sound sexist, but it's it is often men that don't don't get to think about that for, you know, I'm sure a myriad of reasons and that's probably another topic, a whole nother episode, but, you know, to be at, you know, in a room with all these people and, and, you know, every few events, there would be like a guy kind of in the corner or whatever. And he'd be like, Oh no, 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 it's fine. Like you just make them for me. And I'm like, 
no, no, no. Like, <laughs> we're going to do this. And, you know, I'm like, well, what are your, you know, what are your kids' names and what do they like to do? And, you know, all of a sudden this dad is like painting a soccer ball, you know, on top of a macaroon or we did one of my favorite events was for Alaska Airlines when they had just merged with Virgin America and we were doing their Christmas party. And so these two teams that were like coming together for the first time and, you know, the, we had the Alaska colors that were like a green and a blue and the Virgin colors were like red and purple. And so we had like all the colors going on of macaroons and they did this like competition. And, and I remember somebody took macaroons and deconstructed them. So this guy like broke them apart and made like a mosaic of a plane on his like placemat. And it was the coolest thing. And it, you know, it was like, I never thought about that. And he certainly like did what the, the task was, but in his own way, we always have, and for some reason, you know, it's, it's always the guys, but we always have somebody making like the macaroon fat stack. So it's like how many <laughs> macaroons can they stack up with buttercream and like I've seen you know 40 macaroons high <laughs> so it you know really it lights me up to see to be to be able to help other people get there because you're totally right that for me and I would imagine you like this is a natural place to be and like we feel the energy of like when we're doing the work that we know that we're here to do but so many folks that are working you know I would say like in a nine to five or something with more like corporate structure, totally. they're under so much pressure from somebody else. Right. And, and it's a lot of sitting and emails and phone calls and deadlines. And it's really hard to get out of that. And, and not just to get out of that, because there's a difference between getting out of that and binging on Netflix or getting out of that and then still having the like energy and the capacity to create a creative opportunity for yourself. And, and so I think, you know, it, it has been really cool when we could be in person with people to, to be a catalyst for making those moments happen, because you do see people just light up a little bit and like relax into it. And there are, I mean, there are studies that, and I am blanking on the actual numbers and facts, but that show that like there is, there's actual benefit to your brain. Like they see a physical change in your brain when you engage in a creative activity and it's lasting. So it, you know, it's something like, you know, it makes you product more productive throughout the rest of your day and, and things like that. So I always thought like the, the actual like brain science behind creativity is, is really interesting too. Yeah. I love that what you said, cause that's something I think about a lot about making creativity accessible to people who don't necessarily identify as creative or artists in any way because it is such a, a creative practice is like a meditation practice. It's a, it's a space where you're just in the moment, in the flow. And I, I think about that a lot about like, how do you make creativity more accessible to people that might have thought, oh, I'm not a creative person. I just don't, I don't engage with that. So it's so cool to see you doing food because everyone eats food and everyone loves food. So it's like, that's, that is a really beautiful entry point to then have that experience for people. So that's so cool that you're like bringing that to, and making it accessible. Thank you. I wanted to get back to how you started your business. And like you said, you said in the beginning that it was hard to then not have structure and kind of like 
design your life. And so how did, what worked for you or how did you find ways to create that structure for yourself or allow yourself the freedom to go your own way or whatever that is? How did, how did that work for you? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is so hard. I think, you know, they say that if anyone knew how hard starting your own business was like, nobody would ever do it. But I think that there is, you know, they always say you've got to, you have to find what you love doing. And I know that's a really annoying thing for people to hear when they feel like they haven't found it. Cause it's like, that's so abstract. How do you find that? Right. Can you really make a job out of, you know, being around golden retriever puppies or you know, whatever <laughs> the thing is, right. That you love. But I think that I, I really loved that I could be in my creative space, like a hundred percent, we'll say 90% of the time. Cause there's always like those annoying, you know, tasks that have to get done, but like I could be in that creative space like 90% of the time. And so because I felt so fulfilled, it didn't matter how hard I had to work, you know, the very, very long days and weeks and missing out on weekend things and evening things and holiday things, because that's when all the events were happening. Right. So I think the first thing is that when you find that thing you love, like it, you don't care how hard you work for it because like you love it anyways, whether it works or it doesn't like you're working in joy. And I think that that's, that's the ultimate goal. But on a more tangible level, I, I had one rule for myself and that was stay in motion because it's like the entrepreneurial journey is you start here and you like, I wish people could see my hands. I'm like going in circles and it is not a straight line. It's like a roller coaster that's up and down and around and back and back up the other way. And, and I remember, you know, my husband would be like, you know, I would tell him about all the projects and things that I was doing. And it was like, Oh, so, you know, Oh, I thought you were making the sprinkles. And I'm like, well, we were doing that last week, but now we're doing something else. And, and we're doing this, and, you know, to him, it was like, well, you know, you have this like linear journey and you make a plan and you could do it. And, progress and whatever. And the truth is you can sit at your desk and you can plan for as long as you want and be as strategic as you like can possibly be. But at the end of the day, like until you go do the thing, you don't know, you don't know what it's going to feel like. You don't know what it's going to require. You don't know if you're going to like it. And so I would start doing something and then I'd be like, like the catering, I was exhausted. I didn't really like catering. I would come home late at night. I would be dragging bags of like schlepping up my stairs, you know, with bags and bags of food. And I was exhausted and I wasn't having that like creative fulfillment from it. And, and, but I didn't know that until I started. Right. So, so for me, my rule was stay in motion and start just, my job is to do something like, do not sit here and think about it. Take action, call somebody, look something up, go to a meeting, join a group, build a landing page, like make an email, tell people what I'm doing. And, and so that was that just sort of grace, I guess, that I gave to myself to not have it all figured out mm-hmm. and to know that it was going to be up and down and back and forward. And, and that was okay because I was doing something that I loved. And, you know, I look at the business I have now and if I, you know, five years ago you had told me, oh, you're going to have this like niche little you know, macaroon business that's going to expand into X, Y, and Z, I would have told you that you're crazy because between you and I, I'm not a baker. Like I don't bake bread or cake, (laughs) like anything like that. Like 
I only know how to make macaroons because I made them, you know, 10,000 times and understood like what made them work and what destroyed them and everything in between. And, Mm -hmm. and that was how I got good at it, but it's not because I have some sort of like background in baking or anything like that. And, and so it's, you know, where we ended up is, is a product of me starting in one direction and feeling my way through that of saying, okay, this, this part is fun. This feels good. And this part does not feel good. So let's just like stop doing that. And it is, I say this casually, but it is, it's scary. I mean, when I had to stop doing the catering stuff, I had to draw a line in the sand because I would get catering requests Hmm. and people would want me to make dinner for them you know, like a dinner party and, and they wanted to pay me good money for that. And I had to say no, because not because I I wasn't available, but because I wasn't doing that anymore. And so I would turn down jobs again, not because I was making money somewhere else, but because I knew that if I continued to do that, I wouldn't create the space to do what I actually wanted. And that is a very hard thing to do. And it's a lesson that I learned every like six months to a year, it like comes knocking again. And it's like, okay, make the space to grow into the thing. And, you know, it, it happened again when we, I, I had been making the macaroons in my, in our one bed, in our San Francisco one bedroom apartment. And I would bake them here and my husband would come home from work and I would have like pans of macaroons like all over the floor. And it was like, don't step anywhere, you know, and he would be like tripping to come into his own home. And I could only make so many macaroons in this apartment. Like there was a ceiling there. And it also probably wasn't like fully like legit with the the state of California, maybe. And so I needed to get into a commercial kitchen, but getting into a commercial kitchen was like, you know, I had to commit to so many hours and this humongous mixer that I didn't even think I like knew how to turn on. And I had to, I would have to hire somebody and store ingredients and buy ingredients instead of a bag of powdered sugar at Safeway. Like I would have to buy a bag of powdered sugar that was the size of me. And, you know, like that's, what do I do with all of it? And what if I don't sell enough macaroons to use all the sugar? And what if we don't need all the hours? And, and so I'm in this space of, I, I am at a ceiling making macaroons in my apartment, but I'm not ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. But until I like jump off the ledge, like I'm never going to get there. So it's like those moments of creating space to welcome in like the thing or the direction that you want, mm-hmm. I think is really, really important. And I just, again, I want to reiterate that it is scary. And, you know, I tell this story looking back, I'm like, oh, here's how all the dots connect. Right. Like when you're in it, it's like, oh my God, I thought I was going to like throw up. We had just gotten married in the commercial kitchen and like all this stuff. And it's just, it, it can be, it can be a lot, but I think the people that are successful are the ones that can really tune into that Mm. and, and make those decisions. And, and trust in themselves, right? Like if you're going to bet on anybody, hopefully you want to bet on yourself. That's such beautiful advice. First of all, about like the path, not being a linear process and you figuring it out as you went along, but you only figure it out by taking action. Like you're never going to figure out if something works or doesn't work. If you're sitting there thinking about it, like you said, and then I love, love the piece about 
saying no so that the yes can come. And that that's something for me that I find so difficult to do because I think when you like look into that, it's like, okay, well, if you're trying to say yes to every opportunity, does that mean that you don't believe in yourself? Does that mean that you don't believe that the next thing is going to come? But like, if you truly are in alignment with like your purpose and you believe and you trust yourself and you believe in yourself, like you were saying, then you can say those no's because you know that something else is coming. So that, I mean, I can't even imagine how hard that must've been, but was there anything that helped you like through that process by saying, or like, did you just, were you so firm in your vision that you were able to just say no and make space for that? Yes. I would say that like, I, so people hate hearing this. I've never written a business plan. I actually, I studied business and entrepreneurship in college, but with this business, I've never written a business plan and I really have gone off of like gut and intuition and feeling, um, because that really will tell you so much. But I, I think, you know, to, to answer that question, it's, I guess, being able to hear yourself, you are louder, like when you have something to respond to. And so really like trying the thing is like what you need to do because you, you, again, you're not going to know what it's like or, or what it feels like. And I never, I wasn't like, oh, I want to, I'm going to stop catering because I'm going to do all these like corporate events that actually pay me more money and are easier to deal with. And I'm reaching a wider audience. I didn't know that that was like waiting at the other end. But what I did know is right now, like I'm burnt out and this is not working and I don't want to do it this way anymore. So you have to, again, in hindsight, I connect all these dots like very beautifully and it all makes sense. But when you're in the moment and it's like, I am so drained from, you know, making, I, I remember doing one of the last catering things I did was like a rehearsal dinner for like 60 people that I like set up for, cooked for, cleaned and served like entirely almost by myself. I had like one helper, a dinner for 60 people. Like it was just, it was crazy. But I, you know, I didn't turn off the catering because I knew that this other thing was waiting. I just, I had to turn it off because it wasn't where I wanted to go. And then when you, when you put that trust in yourself and, and what feels good, the other things show up and you never could dream what, what they would be. And that's, that is the, the knowing part. And it's really hard. And I know people will hate hearing this because it's so intangible and, but it is, it is so true. And I think the way you get there is through practice and you practice by just showing up and doing stuff. And, you know, the stuff is doing some research, like creating a website. What does it feel like to create a product? What is it, you know, order the materials and try it or, you know, interview like you with this podcast, like learn how to set up a podcast and interview one person and, and see how that goes. And sure. It's, it's always going to be hard and frustrating, but there's a difference between like rewarding hard and frustrating and like soul sucking hard and frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful reminder to continuously trust your intuition and know that that is always going to lead you in the best direction. Are there any other practices that you do, like maybe meditation or something else that gives you this practice of listening to yourself and like sitting with your knowing and, and guiding you? Does, is there anything that you do that like helps you tune into that better? Yeah. I love that question too. 
So one thing that I do is every month on the first of the month, I set aside 15 minutes and I like write in a journal about like where the business is, like what are the exciting milestones? What, what did we just accomplish? Like, what am I afraid of right now? What's stressing me out? What's on the horizon? And it's, you know, you always, you always know the answers, but it's hard to like tease them out of yourself sometimes. And so it's so funny. I will, I'll flip back like even, you know, three months ago and I'll just read about like what I was worried about or stressed out about. And I'm like, that is so ridiculous. Or, you know, that never even became a thing. Or I thought that was an exciting sale. Like little did, you know, I know two months later we were going to sell that and being able to go back and, and also like hear my own advice is really powerful. So, you know, I might go back this month and, and read something that I wrote last year, maybe about one of those scary moments of creating space. And it's like, it is the advice that I needed. Like I always get what I need from that. And it's, it's extra powerful that it's coming from myself because it's like that reminder that like, it's all there. You just have to listen to it. Whereas, you know, external advice is great, but everybody has their own journey and their own experience. And, you know, there's no way for that to not color advice that you're giving other people. Right. So really the only advice that is truly authentic to you is your own because you know your own journey in a way nobody else can. And, and so to go back and read my own words to myself has been, has been really helpful. And, and I have to force myself to do it. Like for some reason, setting the, like the 15 minute timer to just sit down and, and there are no rules. It's just like write free, write about whatever, like is happening. Who are we closing deals with? And what's exciting? What am I freaked out about? And I have to force myself to do it. And, you know, I often will like delay it for like a week and I have to write myself a note, like on my to-do list. It's like, just shut up and sit down and spend 15 minutes doing this. And so that, that is something I really treasure. And I know that, you know, in five years to be able to go back and read this stuff will be, will be really special. Yeah. Um, I wonder if like hearing your story, if maybe like I love what you said about looking back at stuff and, and taking your own advice and in my head I'm kind of wondering like wow how can like because I think we we know that it's easy to like hear that but it's hard to actually take that advice and be like oh I can actually stop taking advice from everyone else and listening to what everyone else is saying and actually just focus on my journey and like trust myself enough and I wonder if because of your past experiences like quitting your job which is a really scary thing to do and you know move to Paris that's a super scary thing to do I wonder if like those experiences have just continuously taught you like oh whenever I follow my intuition like amazing things happen it leads me down the path that I need to go yeah and it's like the same lessons cycle back but just in a different outfit you know and so to remind myself I've been here before and here's what I did. And I landed on my feet. So like you can do it again and again and again. And to hear yourself saying that and proving it to yourself is, I think the most powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. What is next for you and your business? And I know you guys are starting this online. I mean, you've started this online stuff and the membership site. So what is on the horizon for you all? Yeah. So it's, I mean, we have so much happening right now and I'm, it'll just be very interesting to see where the world lands and, you know, six months, a year to see, you know, what changes again for us, these, you know, this COVID transition has 
been a really beautiful thing. And I, I say that with tremendous empathy because I know it's, you know, turned a lot of lives upside down, but it forced me to make changes to my business that I don't know that I would have had the courage to make without it. And the thing that I love most about what we're doing is we, because we're now online, we can connect to people all over the world. So it's not just, you know, we used to do only corporate events in California. So if you didn't work at a company that was going to hire us to do a big event for like hundred people, we had nothing to offer you. But now, you know, Samantha in Ohio gets to like play in our world. And so we, we launched the Food Law Law Cooking Club in May and it, we do, so it's like a membership community and we do two live cooking classes every month and we bring in special guests. So like each month there's a new special guest and it would be, you know, we've had olive oil makers and cheese makers and chocolatiers and master distillers. And, you know, we've got like beekeepers and there's all kinds of cool, like food people. And so every month we teach two live classes of, you know, inspired menus where I really love teaching people how to make beautiful, delicious things. And so that are, like I said, inspired, but not to the point where like you have to go find a bunch of weird ingredients or spend a ton of money or like have a weird piece of equipment that nobody owns or it's up in the attic or whatever, you know? So like achievable, but how do you take something that could be like basic and make it something really, really special? So we've been having so much fun doing these classes because it's like people from all over can, can participate. And so building this community has just been such a treat. We've been doing fun, like cocktail things too. And so building that community and, and like I said, being able to connect with people all over and, and provide a sense of community too, like during this weird time where people are alone and to be the thing that like they look forward to every month is like quite an honor. And so, you know, but it, building a membership community. It's like a whole, it's a whole new business. You know, we, we business owners kind of this community I'm in, we, we joke a little bit that people are like, Oh, you pivoted during COVID. And it's like, no, like I actually created an entirely different business. Cause again, like, you know, even like with you, I go back to this, like starting a podcast, like even just the, the technology and the communications on the back end, like that's a lot to solve for. And so we had to do that and, and figure out how do we like communicate with people and build out this content and have it live on this membership site and, and do all this stuff. And so it's, it's a new skill. It's a completely new part of our business, but it's, it's been so fun and I'm so excited to grow it. And, and we still host a lot of corporate, like private experiences where, you know, we host like a live class, whether it's macaroon making or how to do a really cool cocktail. And then we send out like a DIY kit with that. So people can like easily participate at home, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really fun. And actually I feel like you'll love this. I should mention our, our cocktails. So we've got for our cocktail classes, we've got, it's, it's called the food la la bar alchemy series. And so each cocktail, we've got four different cocktails and each one of them is paired with like the four classic elements, wow. earth, water, fire, air. And so each cocktail has like its own sort of little magic trick with it that is inspired by 
one of the elements. So right now for the holidays, our, our old fashioned cocktails paired with fire and we teach people how to smoke rosemary and use that to infuse the cocktail and the cocktail glass and, and all this stuff. And, and so that's, again, just an example of how we can take something like a boring drink and make it something like, oh my God, this is really fun and different and a pairing I never would have would have thought of and people are learning new things and so there's there's a lot of joy for us in being able to create those experiences. Wow. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And it gives you this feeling, like you said, it's an experience and it's a canvas for creativity. So it's like connecting it with the elements and right. It's just it could just be a cocktail that you have at dinner or it could be like you're smoking the rosemary and you're like really engaging in your senses in the process. And so that sounds like such a special and fun experience. Yeah. One of the last questions I'll ask you is I always like to give people creative resources to inspire them. So whether this is like a book you've read recently or a podcast or a music album you really like, something that we can maybe then listen to or read at home. Ooh, okay. I would love to like see your archives on all of this. (laughs) Okay. Off the top of my head, what I'm loving is Glennon Doyle's Untamed. Mm. I really love, there's um, the NPR How I Built This, Mm. Guy Raz. And so he interviews founders of like big companies like Airbnb and Zumba and like Spanx and and uncovers like their stories of how they got started. And I highly, highly recommend it because it's, it's so well done because he asks all the questions that like, as civilians, like we're all thinking, you know, yeah. so you, you know, you had 10,000 boxes of pantyhose arrive. Like, where did you even put them? You know, <laughs> like, like stuff like that, that you're like, okay, but how actually did you do this? And everyone has their own unique journey with, with building and starting something. And he really teases that out. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of common themes of, you know, everybody started in their garage. Everybody started with nothing. Everybody, you know, went through those moments of creating space and saying no and trying to hope for a yes. And, and so there's just, it's comforting to, to hear those journeys because no matter where you are, like you can identify with a place that that person was, and then you have this shining example of where they landed. Wow. That's such a good resource. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, where can people find you? Oh my gosh. Okay. So we are online, obviously. So our, our Instagram handle is at food.la.la, foodlala. And we also, so we wanted to give your um, listeners a little gift. So we will, we'll give you the link that you can, you can um, tie into the episode. But if you guys want to join us for a free month of the cooking club, we will do, we'll give you the code creative soul and you guys can use that and join us for a free month of cooking classes. And then it'll take you to our website too. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm like, I will definitely join. That's so exciting. And thank you for giving that to all of us. You're welcome. We, we love connecting with like new amazing people. And when we find someone who's got such a wonderful and interested audience, we, we always like to do that. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was so nice to hear your story and like inspiring me kind of on intuition and entrepreneurship and all that. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Soul Podcast and thank you so much for listening. 
If you liked this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid, and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. 